Welcome back to another episode from View from the Bridge, Football to London's Chelsea podcast. I'm Scott Trotter, back in the UK, having toured the United States following Chelsea. And today I'm joined by my good colleague, Bobby Vincent. How are you doing, Bobby? Yeah, I'm good, Scott. Unfortunately, I've just been stuck in England in the in the rain whilst you've been living the high life out in America. But Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, having returned from 30 degrees plus, which I will say is not my, my natural environment, it's a bit hot for me. Um, but coming back to the grey skies of, of England and the UK, it's, really it's been quite the change. It's nothing worse than coming back from abroad, wherever you go, and it's been hot and you come back and it. I swear, like it's always cloudy when you come back. There's never ever, it's never ever been sunny when you come back. Yeah, yeah, and I think after quite a promising preseason, there's definitely a bit of a cloud around Chelsea today as well. Uh, it's not been the best start of the week ahead of Liverpool this weekend. Yeah, um, obviously the Anthony Taylor thing as well. Oh uh, yeah, just 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 the news you want for the first game yeah. of the Premier League. <laughs> I guess we quickly mentioned that that Anthony Taylor's. Um, been appointed referee for the for Chelsea at the weekend and as you guys will know he, he's not the most popular figure among Chelsea supporters I, I think it's the same with um, Liverpool fans as well I, I don't think he's a very um, well-respected referee so yeah, it'll be I interesting to see that it was him that refereed Chelsea Liverpool early last season as well or yeah, was it the year right. before I can't remember now but I yeah. think it was last season yeah but yeah, um, so plenty of fun and games to return on Sunday, but I guess we might as well crack straight on. And the news that you kind of can't avoid at the minute is Christopher Nkunku. Chelsea have confirmed that he has undergone surgery and set to be out for an extended period. Bobby, I know you reported that could be a number of months, obviously, after that. Injury, um, he picked up against Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea's final preseason game in Chicago at Soldier, Soldier Field. Uh, perhaps the less said about the pitch, the better. It wasn't good. There was a bit of a collision, um, I think maybe with Matt Hummels, where Unkunku probably should have won a penalty, but he continued on from that point. And then I think the moment just before he went off, Nicholas Jackson attempted to play a pass and he stood, maybe seemed to get caught in the turf and he didn't really make much of an attempt to get it and he hurt his knee. He um, had that ice during the first half on the bench, couldn't see him during the second half and he did seem to kind of walk away of his own volition at, at the end of the game, but ultimately it's it's not been good news for that uh, knee at all and I guess, do you just want to say where, where things stand with that uh, from your knowledge, Bobby, and just how big a blow is that for Chelsea? It's a, it's a really big blow. Um, yeah, reported on it this morning. I was told it's a meniscus injury, um, which well, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I know exactly what it is, but it's to do with his left knee, I believe. And yeah, I was told months, and then um, I've seen a few people, Matt Law, um, come out. He's usually very spot on with these things, and he's saying about four months, which was, you know, brought him out till December, I believe. Which is an absolutely huge blow for Chelsea because they've just bought they've just bought this guy. He's played really well in preseason. He's shown that he can play in a number of positions, um, whether that's as a number nine or a number ten. But I think the most important thing for it all was he just looked like a goal scorer. He just like his goals were not real, not the sort of goals you'd associate with Chelsea over the last couple of years, and it looked like a. Yeah, it was a breath of fresh air because it looked like Chelsea had finally gotten this um, 
Man is going to stick away you know, 15, 20 goals in a season. And yeah, it, it, it's a real, it's a real big blow for Chelsea. And the, the mood on social media this morning has been pretty dire because of it, understandably. And it, yeah, it's one of them that is definitely worse than first feared because I think Pochettino, after you, you would have been in the press conference, Scott, um, he seemed, didn't seem too down about it. Um, seemed, whether or, that, whether or not that he was just trying to keep a level head to pr- protect the player. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a very bad injury and you got to feel for the player as well. He's just, just came from um, Germany to England and he's not even played a competitive game yet for Chelsea and he's going to be missing what is, you know, effectively half of the season um, with a knee injury. And yeah, I just hope he can, um, hope he can recover quickly and hopefully get back sooner than December. Yeah, devastating for player and the club. Yeah, Chelsea haven't had a great deal of luck with signing French players for big money and then seeing them go down injured for lengthy periods of time, lovely. It's it's true. It's true. And yeah, I think as you said, Unkunku looked like a game changer. Um, particularly with no Champions League football this year, just to have him on the pitch and he looks such a a bit of a genius in the box, to be honest. Um so to not have him at him is a really big blow. Um, of course, they've got Nicholas Jackson, who's done okay in preseason um, as well. Looked very exciting, but I guess in an ideal world, you would have liked to see them play together. Uh, so yeah, a brutal, brutal blow for Chelsea, and you know it, it's kind of difficult to see how they automatically replace them. I think Mikhail Mudrick came on for him against Dortmund. Um, Again, he's looked bright during bits of preseason, but I think there still is that element of where would have Nkunku played. And I guess the question kind of spins around again is, did Chelsea need another forward to add to the ranks? I guess Amanda Brogia will be back training with the first team now, having missed out on that preseason tour. Obviously, he will still be working to full fitness and match fitness in particular. And there's obviously a great deal of talk about a certain Romelu Lukaku and... Uh, Vlahovic from Juventus. I, I guess more than anything, what is your opinion, Bobby? Did Chelsea need another striker? Um, will this push them to do something more? I think they, yeah, I, I think they need first. First of all, I think they need a, a winger or either can play either in the middle or on the right wing, um, and that's very much what they've sort of been looking at with. You know, the Kudus links, the Elise links, the Cherky links, sort of someone who can play on the right wing and is also equally happy in the centre. And I think from what we saw in pre-season and how certain players played, like like you mentioned, Jackson, um, probably surprised, definitely surprised a lot of people with how, you know, sort of well-rounded he looked. And so you would have thought he would have been playing number nine regardless of um, Nkunku's injury against Liverpool. And then you probably would have put Nkunku in number ten. So now you've got you've got a you've got that number ten spot that sort of needs filling because if you look at the options, none of them are real natural number tens. You've got Chucky Mecca who can play there, and he's shown um, glimpses of his um, talent in preseason. But you know he's still nineteen years old, and whether or not he can be trusted there for the whole season or for you know, the few months that um, Nkunku's out, um, you know, remains to be seen. And you've got a few players who can play there, like um, Sterling's played there before, but he's 
you know, he's not done it in a Chelsea shirt yet. So maybe a position change would be something that would suit him. So, yeah, I, I think they desperately need a right winger who can play number 10 or vice versa. And, I, yeah, I probably still think they would need number nine as well. Is that because you've got Armando Borio who's coming back from injury? Um, Mason Burstow looked good in preseason, but I don't think he'll really be involved in the first team squad throughout the season. And then you've obviously got Lukaku who's going to leave, hopefully, for Chelsea. And then, you know, Nicholas Jackson. So there, there aren't a lot of options there. So in an ideal world, I think Pochettino would want, you know, two more attackers. Whether or not that will happen, I can, you know, that's quite doubtful at the moment. But I, I think definitely one will come through the door and I think I'll probably be someone who could play him a number 10 role because that's one of the most important players for the system Pochettino plays. And um, yeah, Missing and Kunku there, will, it'll be a real big blow for him. So they need to, I think they need to act quite quickly there. Yeah, and I, I guess what we should also touch on, given we haven't spoken since, is that Chelsea have added players to the squad. Um, Axel de Sassi over the weekend um, became a Chelsea player. He has taken the number two shirt, I think, yeah. Um, and we'll touch on those shirt numbers shortly too. Um, I think going into the summer defence probably looked like somewhere Chelsea didn't particularly need to strengthen. They had a lot of bodies there. Uh, Thiago Silva, Levi Colwell coming back, Benoit Badiashiel obviously recovering from injury, Wesley Fofana, I think many people would have expected big things from, but again, suffered suffered an injury and is out for a lengthy period of time. Trevor Chalaber, although his future ha- has been uncertain. And then even Bashir Humphreys has been really impressive in preseason. And I think Pochettino is a bit of a fan of him, but we probably see him move out on loan again, I think. Um, but we have got the Sassy that maybe puts a bit more pressure on numbers, but Pochettino kind of made it clear through preseason that Fafana's injury um, has made them certainly interested in a defender. Um, he also made it clear they wanted experience. De Sassi's a little bit older than most of Chelsea's squad at the ripe old age of 25, I think. Yeah. Um, he obviously had experience playing with Badia Shield at Monaco. Um, I guess, just what do you make of the signing? I think does that mean Chalaba's days are numbered now? Maybe. I think it. I think it certainly comes as a blow to Chalaba because, you know, when Fafana got injured, obviously no one wishes an injury on anyone, and especially like your teammate. But it definitely gave him a chance to potentially prove himself to Pochettino in the right centre back role because um, it's only Thiago Silva. That it would have only been Thiago Silva there, and you know, 38 years old, despite Chelsea not playing as many games this year, um, it there would would have been more of a chance for him. But I think the fact that they went out and spent quite a lot of money on De Sassi, almost straight away, really without without properly thinking about it, I think that does show a quite a bleak future for um, Chalobah and suggests that he could be on his way this summer. That was the plan, sort of. Leading up to Fafana's injury, it was um, it was Chelsea were open to letting Chalaba go, and he was open to leaving the club. And I think, yeah, with yeah a few weeks left of the transfer window, I think that's something that we could definitely see some progress on. It's a shame because I think we've spoken about Chalaba a lot on this podcast 
and we both like him and we both think he does a really good job when he does play. And for from his own selfish point of view, I do think that he needs to leave Chelsea because he has aspirations to play for England and you know, he's not young, young anymore. He's he's like you said, he's probably one of the more senior members of a Chelsea squad now because of how young they all are. Um I think he's twenty three or twenty four, so Yeah, twenty four. Yeah. So he he probably does need to move now. Um Obviously, Chelsea wouldn't be against keeping him because he's another centre-back option and that that was always the plan anyway. They were open to letting him go but weren't actively looking to sell him like they have been with some players. And I think that, the feeling was mutual as well prior to um, Fafana's injury. Um, he was, you know, would have been open to leave him but wasn't pushing to leave. But I think De Sassi coming in probably means that there isn't a future for him and that, that's a real sad shame. But yeah... The, the Sassi, I think, you know, Chelsea have looked at a lot of French players, um, especially since Lawrence Stewart came in and he was he was um, very big on the, the signing of the Sassi as well, apparently. Um, can't say I know too much about him, but he's a, he's a unit of a man. Um, probably similar to Badi Ashila in that sense. When when you see Badi Ashila in the flesh, he's, he's very big in it. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of role he has, like you would 100% expect it to be Thiago Silva and Lee Cole at the weekend. Um, and probably for the majority of games, if they can build up a good partnership. But yeah, yeah I mean, any sign-ins are exciting. Um, and signing a French centre-back, I mean, think of all the good French centre-backs that are around. Chances are he's probably going to be quite good. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does. Yeah, and of course he played in the World Cup for France as well. Um, so obviously it does come with some calibre. And I think for me, what is just kind of hard to get away from, and, you know, De Sassi, don't get me wrong, could be an unbelievable sign and could go on to play for the club for a lot of years. And I don't think in some senses you can criticise it too much, but I think it's almost hard to get your head around doing business in the back line, selling Trevor Chalibur, perhaps because you can offer some, you know, profit on FFP and you can offset to Sassy over a number of years with amortization. But it feels just like some unnecessary business when you have priorities elsewhere in the team. Maybe they did want uh, a replacement for Fahana. Maybe that is uh, true and they, they see that they need a, a profile similar to Fahana there with some experience. But I don't know. It's obviously budget that perhaps could be used elsewhere, perhaps on a Moises Casino. I guess it's tricky because I guess these things are independent as well. But even with Conor Gallagher, I, he's obviously, as we've kind of written a lot about, been open to a move, you know, player and club. But Chelsea haven't, you know, got any midfielders at the minute. Um, so you, can, you, can you really consider that uh, as something you're open to? It's I think it's the only kind of confusing bit when Chelsea have done some pretty good business on the whole so far this summer. Um, but yeah. Um, I, think with, um, I think with Chalibur as well. He played well towards the end of last season at right back and um, that we're only a Reese James injury away from it just being Malagusta. And, you know, Reese James, without, like, without, you know, predicting an injury, there, there are 
I'm going to do exactly that and predict an injury. <laughs> he, he probably will get injured at points this season because that that is the, the sort of condition he's in at the moment. And that's really sad. But then you've just got a young, you know, def- inexperienced defender of Malagusto who does look very impressive. Don't get me wrong, but I I think having someone like Trevor Chalabar who can slot in that role and he can also he, he's shown that he can play in DM as well. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised we've not seen that uh, this summer, yeah. actually. Yeah, especially yeah, especially with you know Chelsea's lack of midfielders. I think without I haven't seen much of him now. I think just the way he's built and how good he is on the ball, I think it would seem like quite a good fit. So yeah, I I think there's versatility there as well that you'll you'll be missing if you sell him. And I yeah, like you said, Scott, I don't understand it really at all um, from a business point of view. Like you said, with the FFP thing and the pure profit um, that perhaps w- would entice you to sell him more. But I just, I just think as a player and uh, as a, as a character as well, like he, he wants to, he might be open to leaving Chelsea, but in an ideal world, he'd want to stay because yeah. he loves the club. And he's spoken about that loads of times and like wearing the captain's armband the other day, how much that meant to him. Um, yeah. It's a shame, but I do think we'll probably, see him leave in the next few weeks and he won't he won't be short of suitors we know that there's lots lots and lots of interested clubs from england and from abroad in him because he's a he's a super talented player and yeah i do think i just think it will be another like you said i think this summer has been positive on as a whole but on the whole even but you know with, with a few gaps so they could sign obviously we'll talk about caicedo a bit more but if they do that Jalabar go, then I do think that'll be a mistake that we could, you know, cast back to the Roman Abramovich years with letting players leave who come through um, the academy at Chelsea. Yeah, but um, I guess we move on to another academy central defender in Levi Colwell. Obviously, he signed his contract extension last week and a big boost to the club after all that speculation about how he, his future could lie elsewhere. Um, he kind of poured cold water on that a little bit said it was always Chelsea if the opportunity was there and we've had the squad numbers released today and he's kind of been handed the, the number 26 shirt uh, I think it's one he's worn before at other clubs sort of linked to his birthday on February 26th but you can't ignore the the John Terry uh, comparison there can you? All the Koulibaly ones oh, the Koulibaly. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's taken it because he um, loved Koulibaly no of course, uh, yeah, and I mean, there's been a lot of talk about him being, you know, the next John Terry, which is an easy link to make when it's a Chelsea Academy product who plays in that position. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a a big, even though it's not like I, I suppose it's not one of those iconic numbers everywhere, like a number nine is or a number seven is. But at Chelsea, it's got it means something more because of you know John Terry wearing it and big shoes to fill but I don't I don't think he needs to worry about that really um I think there's a lot of stuff brought built up on by a lot of people on shirt numbers really and I mean we talk about the number nine shirt being cursed at Chelsea I don't me personally I don't believe that's actually a thing it's I just I don't like all the you know added pressure that comes with shirt numbers really I don't think it particularly matters but so I don't think Levi Colwell will be thinking too much about it, to be honest. Like you said, it's something to do with his birthday. He's taken the number 26. Yeah, move on. And yeah, there's been quite an, um, quite a few shirt number changes and quite a few interesting ones. Yeah, yeah. I'll quickly run through, I guess, 
some of the well, the, the new players, obviously, Desassi, we mentioned, has number two. Unkunku has 18. I think that's saw Brogia move to 19. Um, I did a tweet about it, to be fair. I can uh, read the number if you want. Yeah, obviously, that number relevant because that would have been Mason's Mount's number before he left as well. Yeah. Um, Robert Sanchez has 31. Nicholas Jackson, 15. I guess, notably not having that number nine shirt you just mentioned uh regardless if you believe in the curse which like you it, it seems a bit ridiculous um gusto has taken 27 santos 20 ogotchukwu 16 i guess interesting to some degree that he's received a number given there's a certain expectation he could head out on loan pretty quickly um, yeah 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 that's a good point yeah, then we've got Enzo Fernandez has moved from the five shirt to the number eight. We've got Mudrick with number 10, Madweke number 11, all, all obviously the high profile numbers. Uh, Raheem Sterling to number seven as well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Kukare, number three, Badia Shields picked up five. Chukwameka's moved to 17. Um, some really interesting ones, I think. Looking at who hasn't received them, Slanina, I guess, expected to head out on loan pretty soon. Um, I think Bashir Humphreys, again, I guess you expect him to head out on loan. Um, but some of the... Cassida, yeah, that's a, that's a good shout. And then I guess some of the young guys who have received them, Lewis Hall, obviously speculation around a move to Crystal Palace for him. Eddie Beach, Lucas Bergstrom, both have numbers. Um, I think you reported earlier that some of that Eddie Beach is expected to stay around at least for the first six months of the season to kind of get experience around the first team. Um, Lucas Bergstrom featured during pre-season. Uh, Mason Burstow has been given a number as well, 37. I think that's a kind of interesting one because I think before he went on to the expectation that he could uh, make a, a loan move pretty swiftly. Um I think Oxford were interested in him, perhaps, and so it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. Or maybe this is just a bit of a reward after you know filling in and playing pretty well. Um, maybe Unkunku changes things. Maybe he sticks around a little bit longer. Who knows? Um, I guess there's anything just standing out to you about those numbers. Any? I know we don't take too much stock in them, but any that you you know shocked by? I wouldn't like to see. Uh, no, I'm happy. Like. Mudrick's taken 10, I think, you know, so it, it is a sort of prime number for those attacking positions. Sterling with sevens, no surprise. That's what he was at Man City for all those years. And, um, yeah, so it comes with no surprise. Enzo, Enzo Fernandez is an eight. It's an interesting one. Um, obviously, we spoke about John Terry being 26, a certain Frank Lampard being number eight. And we obviously know how much Lampard loved Enzo um, when he played with um Coached him last towards the end of last season. He spoke very highly of him, so that's a r- real good one. Yeah, Shields, Shields. Sorry. There you go. Um, got just added one to his number. He's now five. <laughs> He's a bit of a strange one that just go from four to five, but whatever he wants in it. Um, but yeah, what were you going to say, Scott? Uh, just going to say, interesting with Fernandez that uh, he has moved to the number eight. Is that a hint of the position he wants to play rather than sitting deep in the Chelsea side? Yeah, I think I think it's his dad, wasn't it, who came out and said um about him wanting to play a bit more advanced and i think it's definitely a role he can do we we've seen it we've seen that glimpse of it in pre-season and he, he does add a lot when going forward without necessarily having the um being a major goal scoring threat but you know we saw i think it was leicester away last year um 
I don't think you were there actually, Scott. No, it was the, the pasta, pasta habits there, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the pasta habits. That was the sort of that was the sort of role he position on the pitch, area on the pitch he'd be taken up, you would think, if he was as a number eight. And there's no doubt he's got that killer pass. He's the best passer on the Chelsea team. So I, I do think it's something he could do. And yeah, whether or not the number eight means that or he'd or he'd simply just, you know, just wanted it for personal reason uh, we don't know but yeah some really interesting ones Kukurea down to three is um, quite interesting um, given all the speculation over his future as well and Chelsea being open to selling him uh, nice to see like Andre Santos get a fairly decent number 20 not you know because you, you sort of think the lower down it is the more they'll be involved in the first team ridiculously but I think that is kind of how it works Madawiki 11 as well is a good one is the yeah, very um typical wingers number and that's exactly what Madawaki is and hoping we see some bits of him in the opening games of the season because obviously we haven't seen anything from him this summer um, for Chelsea he's had a slight hamstring problem but yeah uh, as much as you can read into numbers there's some quite interesting ones I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a lot of Chelsea fans out there looking forward to buying the um, Sterling 7 shirt yeah and <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Bobby I'm sure um, yeah um, one that they might look to buy in, in a few weeks' time um, with the shirt, I think, going on sale next week as well, actually. Uh, there is a certain number 25 left vacant by Chelsea, and there is a certain midfielder who plays for Brighton who wore the number 25 last season, I believe. Uh, Moises Caicedo, the, the name, the saga that is destined to run forevermore, um, I think, with Chelsea. Uh I guess just to, to kind of set out where we are, Chelsea saw another bid rejected was it last week, the week before. My That's concept sweet. of time is totally gone. Um, they seem set to, to make another attempt this week. He obviously missed the Brighton friendly at the weekend. Uh, Brighton came out quickly to say it was precautionary, didn't want to risk him ahead of the Premier League move. There has been the suggestion that Casido does just really want the move to Chelsea as well. Um, I guess maybe even a little bit momentum for the first time this week that, you know, this move could, could actually happen as well. Um, but I think it probably still boils down to Chelsea being will, willing to pay a fee that Brighton have kind of set out for a long time and that's going to be around that £100 million mark. Yeah. Chelsea um, are planning a fourth bid or fifth bid. I don't even know at this point, but another bid. Um, <clears throat> and I think the last one was worth about 80 million altogether um, with add-ons and everything included. And Brighton would just have none of it again. And it, it will just be interesting to see how much Chelsea increase their bid by. Because if they go, <clears throat> excuse me, if they're doing sort of what they've been doing, they've been upping it by about five million each time sort of thing. And that, that I don't think that'll be good enough again. And yeah, it, it just comes down to who's the more stubborn club at this point. And I really wouldn't put that past Brighton from what we've seen. Um, so yeah, I don't see this ending soon. I, I do think Chelsea will eventually get him just because they, they usually do in these sort of situations. And they have, certainly have done under Todd Bowley. Um, but it is a bit frustrating because you would have liked to see him in that by now you would have thought he would have been had a few sessions with his new teammates if he was to join Chelsea but 
we're going into the weekend now and Chelsea are very light on midfielders, central midfielders. And I know a lot of fans are frustrated and they just all want it to be over. Like, I want it to be over, you want it to be over. It's, it's just gone on far too long. And yeah, I mean, it, it's been like the transfer saga of like macro updates. Like there doesn't seem to be anything like update wise. We, we haven't been able to provide it. It's just always been Chelsea lining up another bid, then the bid will be rejected, and Chelsea will continue talks. There's never, no, there's never really been too much, been too much to sort of bring you guys. And yeah, like I said, I think Chelsea will eventually get him. And I didn't actually know he was number twenty five for Brighton, but um, that'd be funny if that's the reason why no one took twenty five. But I, I don't know; it's not a particularly um, popular number. But yeah, just I just want it to be over. Scott, I just, I just, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's killing me. Um, this this summer as well has seemed to have gone on for even longer than previous summers. I don't know why that is because obviously it hasn't. But it's just for me, it just seems like the transfer window has been open for like a year now, and we've been talking about Moises guys. Manuel, Manuel Ugarte, remember how long ago? Like yeah. a few months ago, right? But that seems genuinely years ago. Um, that was right at the start, obviously. I think it was back in May. I'm not even sure if the season was over fully, but yeah, just get it done. Just get it done one way or another. Yeah, and I think looking back to January as well, obviously, I guess there was some Caicedo interest then, but you look at Enzo Fernandez, I guess in some respects it started the same way. Chelsea had their interest. Benfica had a price that they wanted to see. Chelsea weren't willing to meet it, and then all of a sudden, Chelsea Chelsea met the price come the end of the window. But Egbali obviously had a big role in getting that one over the line at the depth, and it's hard to, you know, not see comparisons there. I think there's probably going to be a lot of criticism of how Chelsea have approached this deal, particularly with Brighton. I guess not really needing to sell. Caicedo's got a long-term contract even before he signed the extension in March. He, he had years remaining. Um, they've obviously made it quite clear they're quite happy to keep him. But, you know, I guess at the same time, Chelsea do have a responsibility to try and get the best deal they can. Um, whether they they should try and resolve that before season starts, I guess, is another matter because it does start dragging on. It's then when can he bet in with the team and that kind of thing. And I think like you... I wouldn't be surprised to see the deal done, even if it was late in the window and Chelsea end up meeting that fee, because I think there's almost a lack of other options in that position who who can operate on the same caliber and you know Premier League ready to come in and just do the job. Um, so I guess it boils down: Do you think we're going to be up with minutes to midnight on transfer deadline day, still waiting for Caicedo to sign? Is is that the situation where it's going to land? Yeah. I think so, personally. I hope not, but I, I can't see any other way. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it will be similar to Enzo Fernandez in January and, you know, previous windows as well. But, I yeah, I just... It's just one of them. You just never feel like... Um, I just, me personally, haven't felt like there's going to be a solution quickly throughout this whole, win- throughout this whole saga. And I just, I, I do think it's one that's going to take long. I think last week, Brighton, well, a couple of reporters um, reported that he was subject of a bid from Saudi Arabia. I think that was all very much, um, without knowing for sure, but I think that was all very much trying to scare Chelsea. 
And there was also that mystery Premier League club as well. We were interested in him. And, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of mind games going on here. <clears throat> but I do think Chelsea will eventually get him. And, yeah, I, I think it'll be minutes or seconds before or even after the deadline because the deadline's not even the deadline really is it if, if yeah you get the deal sheet in work, yeah so yeah it's gonna be a late one for us scott yeah yeah i think for anybody looking for some hope uh last year mark cooker i guess depending on your view of cooker time at chelsea but last year he missed a brighton friendly with a i guess air quotes injury and then six days later was a Chelsea player. So, you know, maybe maybe by this weekend, if, if we're all very lucky, Caicedo could be pictured in a Chelsea top. Um, but that is, of course, not the only area of transfer business. Even after hacking down the squad, Chelsea have plenty of players on the books and plenty of, of loan moves still ahead to complete. Um, I guess the, the most prominent one that's worth talking about at the minute is, is Gabriel Salonina, he joined up the preseason squad late, having played in the, the Under-20 World Cup and then the Gold Cup with the United States. Um, he played uh, the final game of the Premier League Summer Series. Um, he missed out in his hometown of Chicago. But obviously, a, a lot of things haven't expected of Salonina, having joined 12 months ago for, for a big fee for a teenager. Um, looks very good, but, you know has to go out and find some experience, and it looks like Belgium for him, Bobby. Yeah, um, K-A-S-U-P-E-N, sorry, I'm not, I don't really know my Belgian football too well. Um, he's due in Belgium today, I believe, whether or not he's there right now, I don't know. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, so um, by the time you hear it, it may well be um, confirmed, we don't know, but it, it's moved ahead very quickly. Chelsea were quite keen on him staying in England, um, whether that was in the championship or would have been probably the most likely move. Um, but that hasn't happened for whatever reason. And he, he, yeah, he's off to Belgium um, season on the long loan. I think it's good for him because there was talk of, you know, it wasn't real talk, but it was people, some people had the opinion that it might be good for him to stay around for a year because of the lack of goalkeepers. But obviously Chelsea have now signed Robert Sanchez and, I don't think it's any good for Salina to just be sitting around playing for the development squad. I, I'd rather see him go out and play first team football and the club he's joining are um albeit two games into a season, they're fourth in the league at the moment. So it looks like they could compete um at the right end of the table and you know, if he's gonna be their first choice goalkeeper or or however they view him and he gets some first team minutes, I think that'll be good for him. Uh yeah, a good move. I think it makes sense to Chelsea. And like you mentioned earlier, we found out that Eddie Beach is sort of set to stay around the squad as well. So that's, I guess he would be sort of fourth choice, if you'd like, behind um, Sanchez and Bettinelli and obviously Kepa. And that, that kind of gives you a cushion almost, um, just in case. So I don't think there was any need for Sanina to stay around. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think... I'd say I probably expected him to go championship just to kind of get used to the physicality of what could come his way in England. But I think, like I said, playing football by far the most important thing at the moment. The issue is as well, like he's 19 years old and yeah. that's a that's a big thing to play in the championship at 19. Like, um, it's such a competitive league now. Is If you look at the teams in the championship this season, it's mental. They're like 
it's a very it's probably as competitive as I've ever seen it. So I'm not sure he would have got much football in the championship. And then then you're thinking League One maybe he's a bit better than that, or perhaps the same deal. So I, I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world to see him go out to um uh you know a European league, albeit not a well sort of recognised as one of the top European leagues. But yeah, great move from. Yeah, um, I guess maybe we touch upon those kind of Elise talks and, you know, the, the I guess, host maybe exaggerating, but the other options Chelsea are kind of looking at in that position. Um, I guess, what do you make of them first, Bobby? I think Elise obviously out injured. Um, another French player um, uh, obviously has a relative within Chelsea's setup in the academy as well. Uh, very exciting player in many regards. And I guess you, you kind of noted earlier on that you maybe think it is an area Chelsea need to strengthen as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, at least he's someone who can play through the middle as well, and he has done um, at Crystal Palace before. He's a really, really exciting footballer to watch. Um, he's just what he's really skillful, really direct, you know, quick. Um I personally would love to see him at Chelsea, just, just sort of watch him play every week because whenever I do watch Palace, which is not, not too often, I always do. He always stands out, him and Eze always stand out to me, um, being those real street sort of footballers um, who we, we've seen down the Premier, in the Premier League for down the years. But yeah, no, nothing advanced at this point. I've just All I've got on that is Chelsea like him and he does fit the profile, like I was saying, of that right winger who can play in the middle um similar to Mohamed Kudus but he looks very much Brighton bound now um, which is a great move for Brighton sort of going under the radar a bit um it's quite a well, he's definitely a well sought out sought after player Chelsea and Arsenal both wanted him um so for Brighton to get that deal over the line if they do indeed then I think that's great for them um, a bit of a blow for Chelsea. Maybe they missed out on him because he does a very talented player. Obviously, Ryan Shirky as well is, I guess, similar in terms of profile and has played in the middle and on the right-hand side and even on the left for Leon. So that's clearly an area Chelsea are looking to buy. And yeah, out of all out of those three options, I think at least, they, in my opinion, I think he would be the um, best option for Chelsea. Yeah, certainly one to keep an eye on, an exciting player. I think, like you, I also enjoy watching him. And Eze, um, I think it would be a big miss for Crystal Palace as well. So it would be interesting to see how much they would let him go for. Uh, well, I really think as well, didn't he? he said, um, I think maybe last week, that he kind of admitted that it's going to be hard for them to keep him, at least because yeah. Man City are after him as well. And they obviously just let Mares leave to go to Saudi Arabia. So I guess he's sort of would be a like-for-like replacement for Mahrez. Um So, yeah, it, by, by all accounts, it looks like he's there for the taking. It's just whether or not um, it'll be Man City or Chelsea or someone else, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess as we reach the final weeks of transfer season, uh, we have some proper football to talk about. The Premier League returns this weekend. We'll be at Stamford Bridge to watch Chelsea versus Liverpool, the game that is destined to end in a draw once again. Um, but yeah, Premier League football is back. It's going to be a big test for both sides. Uh, Chelsea, I guess on paper, their most difficult game 
until like October or something like that. Uh, Chelsea have a big opportunity to have a good start of the season, but will be required to set the tone against Liverpool. Both sides perhaps lacking depth in defensive midfield positions. Um, it could be quite an open game, I think. So it'll be interesting to see whether we can actually see some goals on this occasion. Uh, what, what are you looking forward to about the weekend, Bobby? I, I think it's like a really, really interesting game because like like you just mentioned, and we spoke a bit about it before press and record, um, I guess both sides are in a similar sort of position. They both definitely underperformed last season. Um, Chelsea more so than Liverpool, but Liverpool perhaps going in with even bigger expectations after almost winning the quadruple the season before. Um, both have spent money this summer. Um, both have let a lot of players leave. Um, like Liverpool's midfield, I think four of them in total have left. And the midfield three they played against um, the German side, who I can't remember, on last night on Monday. Uh, Darmstadt, I think it was. Darmstadt, that's the one. Um was very interesting. They had McAllister, Gakpo and Zobersly. And then obviously Trent did his sort of hybrid thing when he comes into midfield. So it would be interesting to see if they go that attacking at Stamford Bridge. But usually when it's sort of last game of pre-season, it's an indication of what sort of side the manager will put out. So maybe they will. Maybe Klopp fancies that. Um, obviously, they're trying to sign Romeo Lavia as well. Chelsea have been very interested in, but Liverpool seem to be leading that race. But they've had three bids rejected from Southampton for him. They still want Southampton want fifty million. Very some very similar things going on with that. And obviously, Chelsea trying to get Caicedo from Brighton. Um, both South Coast clubs trying to get as much money as they can for their midfielders, and obviously they have every right to. But both under good contracts there so they have no real pressure to sell but it doesn't look like Liverpool will get Lavia in for the game on Sunday and I think you need to be registered by Friday at 12 o'clock last working day before as per Premier League rules but yeah I mean both sides are very much lacking central midfielders so the midfield battle if there even is one would be very interesting to see I think there has to be goals this time because I know the last four games I think four games because it was the two cup finals yeah they had the exciting one in January where Pulisic scored and it was two all I think it's done oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but since, since, since then I think there have been no goals in four yeah, yeah so and that seems an absolute age ago but I think there has to be goals this time right first game of the season like I said both sides lacking midfielders the game surely is going to be very open Liverpool's pre-season has seen them, you know, concede loads of goals. Um, there's definitely defensive frailties there. Um, and the new system they're trying out, that they tried out towards the end of last season, there's definitely ways to exploit that. There's obviously ways Liverpool can use it to their advantage as well when they get Trent on the ball um, in the sort of number eight role. He can obviously be devastating with his passes, but I think you made a good point, Scott, about Mikado Mudrick. You can talk about that. Yeah, I think it's just going to be really interesting if he gets the shout after Uncunku's injury, just how much his pace can exploit that space on Liverpool's right. Um, I think the you know the, the selection of those forward positions is going to be really interesting. In general, Pochettino's kind of tended to offer, offer a wide 
winger, uh, which I guess had looked like being Raheem Sterling, uh, given he started that final game against Borussia Dortmund. And then a winger who cuts inside. So that was in Kunku. Obviously, he was then replaced by Mudrick. Um, we have seen Mudrick with the ability to cut inside. Obviously, he scored that outstanding goal in preseason, combining with Nicholas Jackson. But Ian Matson has obviously played that role really well as well. So I do think he's a strong contender to, to play at the weekend. But I think there will be a temptation to see Mudrick at his very best against Liverpool. We saw it, obviously, against a very... Unfortunate James Milner, I think, um, given how Mudrick's rest of the season Mudrick played went, he probably wondered if he was faced the same player as everybody else. But we've seen more of that Mudrick over preseason. And I think for anybody picking a fantasy team, and I've been telling all my friends that Mudrick is a dark horse for, for a very good player this season, I think. Um, so hopefully for Chelsea that that does pay off and, and maybe we do see him with Chilwell bombing up that winging as well. I think Reese James has been a bit more restrained in his attacking progress. Um, perhaps still looking to get back to his very best, still building that fitness to to really operate like we've all seen Reese James can. Um, but you know, even when he's still not at his very very best, Reese James is a very good player. Um, you, I just think remind, that, you just reminded me as well. I need to change my fantasy football team. I got um, Nkunku up front. Yeah, I will say I, I did a draft with some friends and I thought, I know Nkunku is going to be injured. I'll get him for later on in the season. Uh was expecting maybe a, a few weeks and then, you know, potentially four months is an absolutely devastating blow to my draft yeah. league prospects. Yeah, I saw him at 7.5 mil. I thought that was a bargain, but they must have, they must have known. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a devastating blow. Um, and I think that midfield area is going to be really interesting for Chelsea as well. Obviously, Enzo Fernandez is is the man who who is going to start regardless. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe would have expected Andres Santos to press his claim and have an opportunity, but I think because we saw Conor Gallagher against Dortmund, I think probably he's going to be the one to start. Pochettino did kind of suggest in his uh, answer to a Chicago native about why Slinina didn't play that he did want to see the players that were in his thoughts, I think, and obviously Santos didn't get on in that game at all. And then I think really interestingly is that Carney Chukwemeka could be starting in that number 10 spot. Yeah, I I think he's probably the stand-up contender now, really, um, now with Nkunku's injury. Uh, we've sort of seen him play all over the shop for um, Chelsea since he's signed, but I remember he did an interview with um, Chelsea's media team probably last season. <clears throat> I was reading it and he did say that um, sort of right as a right number eight and a number 10 are his favorite positions. And we've seen him in the right number eight, but we haven't properly seen him as number 10 yet. So I think it's definitely something worth a go. Um, Super talented player, really hard to tackle when he gets going. And yeah, if you can find sort of space between the, it'll be difficult because Liverpool plays such a high line, but to try and find space between the, midfield and um, defence then he could obviously cause Liverpool some real problems and the one thing you would say about Joku Mecca is um, obviously he didn't get many chances last season so it's not it's not too much of a criticism but he does need to add goals and assists to his game, I don't, I'm not sure he had any last season um, unless I'm wrong but he, yeah I, I think if he plays him a number 10 spot then obviously that becomes more of an opportunity for him I, yeah, I, I do think he if he can start the season well, especially with this Nkunku injury, but I do think he'll be, play a really big part in Pochettino's first season. And, you know, I, I 
predicted um, a bit, I think, back in May that Chelsea were considering loaning him out next season. That was the plan. Um, I think it was prior to Pochettino's appointment. But obviously, Pochettino's came, come in and worked with worked with him intensely in um, England and America and obviously really likes what he sees, judging by all the chances he's getting. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see him. Um, feels like we haven't properly seen him yet, even though we've seen him a, hand, you know, a handful of times. Yeah, and he's one of these players obviously didn't play much last season, but you'd kind of forget how young he is as well because he is still just 19 and, like you say, he is all of a sudden a contender for the starting lineup. And <clears> we, <throat> we spoke to him after after the game in, uh, against Dortmund and he certainly said his ambition was to break into this Chelsea team to, to provide assists, to score goals. And, like you say, he, he is going to receive that opportunity, particularly with Unkunku's injury. Um, that injury also probably makes it pretty clear that Nicholas Jackson's going to start the game. Uh, I think you noted earlier on, he's shown a lot of all-round ability. Despite his frame, I think his preference certainly is to to get in behind a back line and, you know, have that opportunity to finish a chance one-on-one um, early in the preseason games. I think, I can't remember if it was against Wrexham or whether it was against Brighton, but the game finished and he just kind of reinforced to any teammate that would listen about the kind of passes he wants in behind right. all the time. Kukurea played uh, a great ball through at him uh, to, to score as well. And I think we've seen Chelsea look for that pass more often as they've got a bit more familiar with him. Um, his finishing perhaps wasn't up to the same standard in the final two preseason games. But that's certainly something Chelsea can look to exploit against that high Liverpool line. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um watched a lot of Liverpool um, in pre-season and uh, they've conceded a lot of goals from simple sort of high lofted balls through the middle um, very what you would consider <clears throat> to be basic defending and obviously at Summit Klopp will be trying to sort out the, before the game but if Chelsea can sort of get get to grips with that early on I'm sure Pochettino will be drilling it into his players to go to go almost route one to Jackson at some points then he will because yeah he's he's incredibly quick and Liverpool to be fair do have two very um, pacey centre backs in Kanate and Van Dijk who will probably start at the weekend Kanate especially um, Van Dijk perhaps not as much since his injury but yeah it's definitely it will definitely be an interesting one um, obviously they got Allison as well who's very good at sweeping the ball up but if they can find that right pass to Jackson I do think that's a real really dangerous weapon for Chelsea to use and one they can have um, real fun with at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, and I guess we've kind of maybe presumed that Chilwell and James will start, but it, it seems maybe pretty likely that it could be Levi, Colwell and Thiago Silva uh, at the heart of defence too. Yeah, I think it has to be really. Um, like we haven't seen De Sassi yet he's, um, properly. And then you've got um, Badia Shiel, who's coming back from injury. Um, Trevor Chalaber, of course, we spoke about earlier. So, but I do think Levi Colwell... You know, against Liverpool as well, who were very keen on signing him before he signed his um, six-year contract. I think he has to play and he wanted those assurances from Pochettino that he would be part of the first-team plans this season. And you don't really get many bigger games than this first game of the season under a new manager against the top side like Liverpool. So, yeah, and obviously Thiago Silva goes without saying he's proven season after season with Chelsea how good he is despite being almost 40 years old and... I don't have any doubts that he'll um, have a good game on Sunday, really. Uh, the least of my worries in the Chelsea team. I'd say the centre-back pairing are probably, yeah, the least of my worries in the Chelsea team. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because I think there's almost a, maybe not an understanding, but an expectation from Chelsea fans, Chelsea reporters, anybody that even rates Thiago Silva really highly, given what he's done over the last few seasons, been Chelsea's standout defender, undoubtedly. Perhaps that he will be forced to kind of fade out the team over the course of the season, obviously turns 39. Chelsea have all these young, really exciting defenders coming through. But what was really notable in the preseason tour, as soon as you mentioned Thiago Silva to kind of anybody in that Chelsea team, the way like the adoration they end up speaking with, like how their minds are just blown by how good he is. It's just like, it stands out so much. And yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting to have Silva kind of teach a lot of these guys over the next 12 months as well. Yeah, I, th- I think if um, in an ideal world, they might have phased him out a bit and had Fofana there. Um, alongside Colwell, because you know they're both Colwell and Pafana are both so young, so that could have been Chelsea's centre back partnership for the next few years. But obviously, that isn't the case, and Thiago is probably going to have to play more football than perhaps Pochettino would have hoped for. But at the same time, he's not. It's not an it's not an issue really for no. Pochettino um, because he knows what he's going to get from Thiago Silva every week. You you rarely see him have less than a seven out of ten. Um, and just a point I forgot to make about Colwell as well. I think. His he showed a lot of his long diagonal passing and um, preseason. I think that'd be really important, especially against a side like Liverpool, yeah. who obviously press um, their front three of Salah. It's probably going to be Salah, Diaz, and Jota. It looks like that's what they played against um, Darmstadt at the weekend. Um, and I think it's worth noting that Colwell will certainly make them press as well. If he's left on the wall, he's waiting until they come right yeah. up to him. Exactly, and I think his composure on the his composure on the ball is brilliant. And um, probably only like John Stones you'd see in um, in England from from an English defender who could match sort of his composure on the ball. And I think having that against Liverpool, even though it might be a bit risky, because like you said, they, they, he will be pressed intensely. Um, but I do think he's he'll be he will be able to play his way out of the press. And once you get out of the press, as hard as it is against a team like Liverpool, especially when they're at the best, um, then you've got a good chance because half of Liverpool's teams, you know, behind the ball. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to make my nice and safe prediction that it will be another draw. But I will say there'll be goals this time. I think the midfield is going to be too open for there not to be goals. Where are you standing for this weekend? I'm going to ask go for a draw, Scott. I'm obviously going to ask go for a draw. Um, I'll go. Give me a free-free. Oh, what a game that would be! Yeah. The season. Um, yeah. Of course, Chelsea supporters will, will want to win, but that would be certainly a exciting way to start. A sign of perhaps the the football that we could see under Mauricio Pochettino. They certainly have looked fitter this summer, and I think we're in for some good performances this season. And it's going to be really. Exciting to see how Chelsea do this season, despite a massive blow in the form of Christopher Nkunku's injury to start off with. We'll end things there. Of course, we'll have plenty more to come uh, in the transfer market on football.london, plenty more in the build-up to Liverpool. We'll be, of course, all across Mauricio Pochettino's press conference on Friday, probably, um, from Cobham. And then, of course, the Liverpool match on Sunday will bring you all the updates, all the reaction, live blog, the whole lot, as per usual. And yeah, Premier League football is back. So thank you very much for joining us. 
please subscribe if you haven't already leave us a lovely rain if you feel so inclined and that would be massively appreciated and helping us grow the podcast um, so yeah thanks for joining us and we'll speak again soon and we'll see how chelsea get on this weekend <laughs>